The following program contains misinformation, disinformation, and hate speech. It also features personalities who have been labeled far-right, semi-fascist, neo-Nazi, fringe, domestic extremists holding unacceptable viewpoints. Any and all calls for justice are to be taken in the context of Minecraft, the game, as are any references to wood chippers, helicopters, or firearms. This product has not been evaluated by the FDA. We do not condone illegal behavior. We do not offer financial, medical, or any other professional advice. All comments are for comedic purposes only. Views expressed within this program do not accurately reflect the views of the corporation or its sponsors. Use only as directed by medical professional. Use of this product may lead to cancer. Other known side effects may include, but are not limited to, hypothermia, heat stroke, sudden adult death syndrome, dizziness, nausea, irritability, cognitive dissonance, confusion, sudden onset dementia and Alzheimer's, winter vagina, erectile dysfunction, transphobia. See pamphlet for more details. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. Consume. Open. snare from my friends hate freedom podcast and today i'm here with og dad bod what's up og man living the dream trying to eat some spaghetti <laughs> well that should make for some good podcasting right i'm hoping i'm hoping man living the dream <laughs> so you recently went through like a work change didn't you uh, i don't know if you would say work change i am uh is all of the 20 and 30 something say when they quit or get fired, I'm in between jobs. So I've uh, been spending a whole lot of time on LinkedIn and Indeed and uh, yeah, trying to find something that I'm not having to slave away uh, and throw my life away to a big corporation. So time to yeah. get back close to home, you know? Yeah. Can I ask what you were doing? Uh, I was in, uh, you could call it either environmental services or uh, it, it, most of the time it's easier to say water treatment. Uh, I okay. did a lot of, uh, reverse osmosis and ultra pure water stuff for power plants and chemical plants and whatnot. So, ah, gotcha. That's cool. I, I recently bought a, uh, a whole house filter <clears throat> for, we, we have city water. So I wanted to not just filter the drinking water, but get everything. And so it's one of those high volume ones. And then we also have reverse osmosis okay, for so our drinking water. Got a little sink unit and then you've got what, uh, some sort of either softener or carbon, what, coming so in? The we used to have a softener um, and it went kaput and I just got rid of it and bypassed it. So now I'm going to put the whole house filter in, in its place pretty much. It seems like it, it the water is not that hard or anything so it's not like it should be fine i gotcha so you said city water so yeah uh it's funny you say that i always talk about uh you know city water yeah i i get it it's fine to drink i mean you can bitch and moan about fluoride all you want but uh i always say man that's the least of your worries if you really knew how nasty drinking water was yeah you know you would be drinking tap and then or uh bottled water right um that's that's the thing I, I laugh when people talk about the ph and you know all this shit uh any bottled water you're drinking is ro water i mean you know uh, if it says filtered water 99 percent of the time it's going to say purified by you know reverse osmosis so interesting yeah i, I have in a few beverage plants that uh, uh uh sound like coke and pepsi so 
Right. Uh, yeah, my dad used to work for a beverage company like that. And um, I think back then they were using like big carbon filters or something. Like it wasn't, I don't remember him saying anything about reverse osmosis. Yeah, it probably would have been uh, like a big gravity filter, big like uh, sand filter, uh, some sort of multimedia. And then uh, they probably would have had uh, two or three uh, carbon towers. Okay. Um, and then that's yeah. probably what they would have uh, run. I actually saw one of those get torn out. That's like oh, yeah. uh, 1960s technology. Huh. That's funny because that's not – like it wasn't that old of a plant. I think they built the plant when he got the job, which was, I don't know, 30 years ago-ish. Well, that's kind of when uh, ROs kind of started, I guess, came onto becoming the mainstream. Um, yeah. I think where I used to work, the first RO plant was put in around uh, 1993, I want to say. So, you know, the technology has been around more or less since the, I think, 50s. Uh, but it's it's pretty energy intensive. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> it's a pretty big, big thing, right? Especially if you're doing a, a power plant, um, you kind of have to have ROs. Uh, really? Yeah, yeah. For the cooling? Uh, well, so the uh, the big thing is the RO is the workhorse of the system, right? It's, uh, you know, you, you're more or less taking water with a high-pressure pump and driving it through a, you know, permeable membrane, right? So you reject the... Bigger the molecules. Um, and, you know, I guess you'd say some of the bad shit in the water. And then, you know, you send the, the good product or permeate on to the rest of the system. Uh, and then you do some sort of ion exchange, right? We, we used to joke that the water we made was actually so pure it would kill you. So uh, <laughs> my understanding is uh, <clears throat> if you drink enough of it, it'll fuck your stomach up. And, it, you know, it, if you drank enough of it in time, it would kill you because basically it strips all the minerals and nutrients and whatnot out of you. You're not replacing the minerals. Yeah. 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 yeah I like to add some uh, sea salt to my drinking water and or like a mineral replacement mix kind of thing. Yeah. But the, uh, the RO definitely is, has been a game changer for the world, right? Uh, desalination is probably going to be the next big thing. Um, you're seeing it all over the Middle East, um, and North Africa. So I would say that California is going to start seeing some desal plants before long. Uh, well, that's cool. Unless they fall off on the ocean, which I'm really hoping I'm getting my hopes up. We have a big <laughs> earthquake and it just breaks it off. You know, uh, tool has a song about that. I did learn, not learn I'm to not, swim. I'm not a big tool guy, but I, I am all about hearing this song. What's your problem? <laughs> I can't, I, I'm not sure if it's called Learn to Swim or Arizona Bay, something like that. So he calls it Arizona Bay because there's no more California, right? <laughs> <laughs> mm. Yeah, no. I, I think about I how much LA sucks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Northern California, I, I would hate to lose some people there, but. You know, the rest of it, out of hell with it. So, yeah. Do you, do you know people out there? Uh, not anymore. I used to. Um, 
I used to know a few people in Northern California, but they wised up and either did not go back or they moved. So, yeah. Now we, we know a couple who just got married, who live out there and they're like in LA or just outside of it. And, you know, working for media companies and stuff and mm. they still, they still love their jobs and everything. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, so. I, you know, I, I think I could see living close to something like that. It would probably be cool. Uh, if you weren't, you know, awake and aware of what's going on. Yeah. And I think they're not as, they're not like us who just could not handle it. You know, but that's like, you know, the inmates running the prison or the, you know, the, uh, you know, the psych ward patients running the, the show out there. I mean, you know, it, yeah. everything's upside down. I always joke oh, yeah. California is about, what, 15 years in front of the rest of the U.S.? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, unless we manage to change course on some of that stuff. But, yeah, <laughs> it does seem that way. They try legislation so the rest of the com- the rest of the country can adopt it, right? Yeah, I'm just wondering how uh, them shutting down all their – um, coal and gas plants is going because uh, yeah, and solar and banning gonna cut it. banning gas trucks and yeah, well, no more gas vehicles sold after what twenty thirty or something like that. I don't yeah, know. I always I don't know exactly what they have going, but yeah, yeah, I always it, laugh when people talk about nuclear being the solution. Uh, nuclear is great unless you've worked in it, and then <laughs> you don't want to deal with it. It's a lot of headaches, a lot of red tape. Oh yeah, uh, yes. Yes, it, it's. Uh, is, is the red tape mostly bureaucratic, or is it like legit safety stuff? Uh, yeah, I I really don't know how to say it. Um, you know, if I were to go turn a wrench, right, I, they'd want me to have gloves on, right? I would. Uh, I think they call it counseling if they catch you breaking a rule or something. Oh jeez. Sit down. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, Sounds dystopian. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of like uh Navy guys and uh Navy nuke guys. I mean it's a it's a whole different animal. Uh I always would joke that the nuke guys that I knew were really weird. Like uh I don't know if it has something to do with the company or the military breaking you, but it's it's like uh you know, that mindset where you uh you don't kind of think for yourself. You don't question anything. You just kind of go by, you know, the book, right? The procedure says this, and we've always done it this way, so that's how we're going to do it. Right. Yeah. Just that um, automaton kind of mentality. Yeah, 100%. Following orders. Yeah. Uh, happy to be a cog. I mean, I'm a cog in a machine, but it's a it's a little machine that's a family business. And so I'm not like too unhappy about it, except that I do want to do something else with my life a little bit more meaningful, you know? Yeah. Maybe, maybe make some more money. Right. Is it? Yeah. 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 That would be nice. Making, making a little more money and also just doing something that really is more fulfilling. You know, my work is. You, yeah, I think you do have the advantage, though, if it's a, it's a family business, right? You can go talk to everybody, and you probably know most of the people who are important. Uh, you don't have to send a nasty email or call oh, yeah. or voicemail. You don't have no, a bureaucracy to deal with. I'm very close to the owners and everything, so it's uh, it's easy to, I don't know, to make waves if need be. <laughs> 
and yeah it's it's like people i grew up with so um it's it's it would be hard to leave and i've been there for a long time so yeah it would be hard to leave because i've uh spent much of my life there and 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 they're my friends you know but at the same time it's uh it's like it's factory work so well yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean i do like it's dusty factory work like i wear a dust mask all the time most of the time no, no bueno yeah i'm out i'm out on the whole mask thing yeah no. yeah exactly and i wear it because of dust not because of oh yeah no i get it yeah like uh, <laughs> you're probably stuck in what an n95 or something like that mm -hmm. yeah i i mean i can at least choose what masks i want them to buy me but <laughs> but it's not great no, no, I, I can, uh, I can imagine there are uh, things I'd much rather do than be trapped in a mask. But hey, yeah. at least you don't have a respirator, right? There right. Is, yeah. There is yeah. some upside. Yep, it's not that bad. Um, and I can plug it and like listen to podcasts all the time. It's how yeah. I get so many podcasts in, is because that's what I do at work. So that part's nice too, where I just kind of go into my own little world, you know. Yeah, well, if it's dusty, maybe you can uh, you can hide. I don't I don't know if that's a thing, but I I got pretty good at hiding. Or uh, I'm not, like I don't want to do that. <laughs> I I love the the mission too much. I guess <laughs> I gotcha. You know, and the owners like I want to do good by them. Yeah, I I get real pissed off at kids when they hide. <laughs> oh heck. <laughs> But you know, it's because it's a small company. Like you gotta, you gotta work, or yeah, yeah, you man. don't really have a job there. Or yeah, a place I mean, how there. else are the owners gonna, you know, buy their their third truck and, you know, uh, have that good Christmas meal, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Get, you got to make sure they get their bonus. Yeah, I always joke about that. I am, I am very anti corporate. I'm hoping we all get our bonuses. That's really what. Well, no, you're not going to because inflation's going to take it away. But I thought that was transitory. <laughs> yeah, right. Or, or maybe when they go to the digital dollar, everything's like trans. EDC, it'll just whoop. You know, oh, sorry, we're just going to take a zero off your account. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'll be an interesting thing. It's yeah. funny because we're so close already with just credit cards and everything, and PayPal, like all the digital payments we already do. So, yeah, I, I really wanted to kind of see crypto go mainstream, uh, you know, more than it did. I know we kind of had that pop uh, 2020, 2021. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, I got back from a, a road trip uh, three weeks, more or less. And, uh, and there were a lot of places. It was like they looked at me like I had damn three heads when I pulled out cash to pay. They're like, we don't ever see cash anymore. I'm like, well, you're seeing it today. Enjoy your tip. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome that you're using it yeah well it was more you know my luck i would end up somewhere and credit card wouldn't work or they wouldn't take whatever i had so you know it's a good idea to have some cash on hand right uh yeah unfortunately i don't ever spend my cash it's i don't know it's some sort of mental thing i guess it's i'd rather just swipe the card and have the cash on hand i'm still trying to figure that one out so me too me logic. too <laughs> I, I sometimes I'll bring the cash and then I'll be like, you know what? Bonus points on my credit card and then I get free stuff. So <laughs> yeah, man, you got to get that 1% back. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
right? So. Yeah, and it's it is easy. Um, and if it's something where it's like, well, I don't really care if this is part of my digital record or whatever, then like, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's only so many vajankles you can buy. Uh, I did want to ask, um, would you kind of go into some of the crypto? I know we talked a little bit before the show about it. Are, are you uh, pretty big into it? I mean, are you trying to use it for utility or more as like an investment or a store of value? Um, well, I'm, I'm more invested in it as a store of value. Um, and that would be Bitcoin. Um, I definitely recommend self custody, um, which means having your own wallet with your own keys, um, not keeping it on an exchange like Coinbase or some of the apps, like some of the apps are your own wallet, but, um, it has to be your own seed phrase and everything. Um, I also mess around with lightning a little bit. So that's more like the micro transactions and stuff that's good for social media tips, stuff like that. Cause you can, you can tip like 0.001 cents, you know, like hmm. really, really small amounts. Um, now lightning, is that Litecoin or is that somebody else? It's actually, it's Bitcoin, but they built, a layer on top of Bitcoin that bundles Bitcoin transactions. So, or it bundles lightning transactions into um, fewer, bigger Bitcoin transactions. So hmm. um, a bunch of those micro payments can be bu- like probably thousands. I don't really know, but they can be bundled into um, an exchange on the Bitcoin blockchain. That's just, one transaction between lightning nodes or between different Bitcoin nodes. Um, and that yeah. way it Got doesn't lost again, man, <laughs> that way. So, so the fee there's like gas fees on the Bitcoin network because it's very like it uses energy and you can only fit so much um, computing into one block and all that kind of stuff. So, Basically, people wrote a program or a protocol that enables, um, I, I guess you have like a client that will bundle all those transactions and you, you basically have a stake in. So if you're running like a lightning node, you might stake like $200 or 2000 or whatever. And then that's money that's available to sort of facilitate those bigger bit Bitcoin transactions. Okay. Anyway. So it's kind you of like decentralized to, banking, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's like direct peer-to-peer exchanges of Bitcoin using the Bitcoin network. And it's just using like a lot of... It, it, yeah, it's just using like a another protocol on top of Bitcoin. So is much. this like Bitcoin? This isn't like the Bitcoin SV or, or anything like that? Because I, I was no, under the impression BTC. that... Yeah, that Bitcoin was kind of held back or limited by the amount of transactions it, it could do, right? Right. Yeah. Um, there, there is that, um, and it hasn't been a huge issue for most people who have been into Bitcoin. But uh, apparently, there have been times I've heard about astro- astronomical fees on the network. I haven't really seen them, hmm. but I haven't done a lot of transacting. Usually my transactions are just um, between myself and me. (laughs) 
I got sending you. it from sending it from like an exchange to a wallet kind of thing or something like that. Okay. Now, um, are uh, are you an Ethereum guy at all, or is it just straight? I I bought some Ethereum, and I I guess I still have a little bit, and I've played around with some other coins. I've used um, Litecoin a good bit because because of the fees. Um, one thing I would do at some point was buy Litecoin on Coinbase and then send it off to another exchange where I could buy coins that I actually, it was like a no KYC exchange. And then I could buy coins that I actually wanted um, rather than just buying Bitcoin on Coinbase and then paying the higher fees. Right. So it was worth like transferring it into like trading it into a different um, currency over paying the Bitcoin fees. So there's yeah, some yeah. utility. Um, there's utility to privacy coins um, like Monero and Pirate Chain. Um, of course, how many people accept it is the challenge with all of these, right? It's it's true with Bitcoin, not just some of the smaller ones. Um, so being able to spend it, you know, being able to buy something that you need for it, that's the challenge. Yeah, you definitely um, would need to walk me through. I'd have to have somebody explain how to get my stuff off Coinbase and then what, you know, wallet would be good uh, to to get it, you know, in. Um, yeah, it, it's that, that in and of itself, the hot, the cold wallets, all, all that. I mean, it's not that it's above me, but, you know, it's kind of like me fooling with this computer, right? I get about 30 minutes in and it's like, you know what? It can wait another day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're just looking for a wallet to download on your phone, Exodus is a pretty good one. Um, and this is not financial or legal advice or anything like that, of course. But um, Exodus seems to work pretty well as far as a hot wallet. And that's one on your phone and cold wallets work the same way, except you buy like an actual little USB thing. And, um, and then you create like a pin or something to access it and you just have to have it plugged in in order to do transactions. So you have like an app on your computer or on your phone that connects to it kind of thing. Um, but yeah, Exodus is a good place to start for just one on your phone. And I mean, I don't know where you're at if you're looking for a cold wallet or not, how much you have invested or anything. But I guess Trezors are pretty good as far as the uh, the cold wallets go. And there's there's a bunch of them. If you're just into Bitcoin, there's also Blue Card, which is apparently more secure but i haven't done much of my own research i'm talking out my ass here (laughs) now uh i'll I'll ask this this will be my last crypto question uh because it will get too far off in the weeds and i'll i'll have to start drinking (laughs) right right Uh, what are you uh thinking about the sec going after everybody especially like with the ripple lawsuit i've got uh one buddy who's like all about ripple uh, I didn't know if you were a Ripple guy or not. Um, I'm not a Ripple guy. I have heard rumors for a couple of years now that it's been considered as it's been considered as a candidate, I guess, for the uh, central bank digital currency, um, which I think is why there's so much interest in it. But um I don't know that there's any veracity to that or not. Like, I, I'm not really sure. Um, 
as far as the SEC going after all these people, apparently, yeah, they have suits against Coinbase and another big exchange. And I'm not really sure what to think about it. Um, I guess I do worry about how the government will try to um, clamp down on citizens' ownership of Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, how they will try to clamp down on um, transactions of it. And, you know, technically they can't take it from us because they, they would literally have to like break into our homes and torture it from us or something. But at the same time, they could greatly hinder the transactions of it by doing things to the networks and stuff. And, um, that is, you know, it's something to consider. Um, at the same time, I think there's a bit of a world revolution going on with Bitcoin in some of the third world countries, like in Africa, there's a bunch of people using it. And, um, what, a there's a central what, American company or country, right? That's yeah. Is it El Salvador Bitcoin. that now has it as a national currency? That's one of them. Yeah. So there's, there's stuff going on around the world where people are mass adopting it at the same time, which could go really great or really bad, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, let, let me ask this. Uh, with the cold storage, can you use it offline or, or is that just like a hot wallet, right? Like if we don't have electricity or, or internet, you can still transact, right? Technically, yes. So one of the ways people in Africa are transacting is with paper wallets where you create a wallet and you write down the seed phrase on a piece of paper and you put, say you're going to buy something for 50 bucks, you put 50 bucks into that wallet and then hand the piece of paper with the seed phrase, you're giving someone the whole wallet okay. and then they have access to it rather than you and they can go redeem it. But they need some kind of, you know, I mean, at some point to actually redeem it, you need some kind of uh, some kind of internet connection. Unless yeah. you're just trusting the notes. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, yeah, it kind of it sounds like banking, but with more steps, right? It's kind of like, uh, what? It's, it's not more steps, it's just check. different steps. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. I mean, it interests me, but not enough to just like go full full bore into it. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm not all in on it. I'm I'm bullish because I think it's an amazing amazing technology. I think it's really cool what they've done. Whoever Satoshi or whatever is, um, the fact that they're not, there will never be more than 21 million Bitcoin, right? Yep. And no one can really do anything about that because that's the way the blockchain is built. Um, and so that limited supply and the fact that you've got this worldwide decentralized authentication machine where even if major sections of the world go black, um, computers will keep hashing and keep keep verifying the blockchain and verifying whatever other 
whatever transactions do happen on it, you know? Um, so it is a really incredible and powerful, um, technology. So I think, I guess kind of the way I look at it is we know Fiat's kind of screwed, right? And it is the system by which our society works, but at the same time, our with inflation, our dollars are just going to go down in value. And this is something that really does have value and it could go up. But yeah, like, again, I'm not all in on it. Um, I value things like metals and tools and I don't know, land, um, knowledge, all those things are good investments too. You know, don't, don't ever put all your eggs in one basket as far as what to invest in. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of, uh, brass and, and lead and copper myself. Good, um, good investments. Yep. Yep. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> so I, I guess if I can change gears, uh, you, you mentioned you're, uh, you like hunting. Uh, you got anything specific you enjoy hunting? Deer. Deer. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm, that's, I'm a big whitetail guy myself. Yep. Whitetail. Um, that's pretty much it. I don't, man, I saw a whole flock of turkeys last year when I was deer hunting <laughs> and, but I was like, you know what? I don't even know what season it is for them. I'm not like, obviously I can't just shoot it with my rifle or my bow. <laughs> you know, you can, I think you've got to go high. I mean, so. but I would have had to double check on whether it was in season or not. So, yeah. well, you know, I, guess, I was still holding out for a deer, you know? If, yeah. If I, well, taken, I don't know. I'd rather eat Turkey. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's not as much hassle to fool with a Turkey, right? I mean, I don't eat legs. Uh, I just brush them out and that's, uh, that's all there is to it. Right. Oh, kind of like a duck. The dark meats, the good stuff, man. You ever eat a rooster? You ever eat a damn like a big mm, ass rooster that all it does not. is walk around a- outside that damn tough ass chicken leg? Uh uh-uh. uh. No, I don't <laughs> want to eat turkey legs. That's not what the off a wild turkey. For. Now maybe something that like I raise, you know, in, in a pen or maybe in a backyard fenced in or something like that. But no, I, I'm not eating no damn tough ass wild turkey leg. Uh uh-uh, uh, no. I hear you. I hear you. <clears throat> but again, that's what the crock pot's for. Yeah, well, yeah, crockpot's kind of like a grinder, right? You know, you can all you it's all turn it all the mush. Yep, yep. No, I like the I like deer because it's um it's a big harvest. So if I get one or two in a year, it's plenty. Um, because I really do want to. You know, I'm not just doing it for fun. I'm doing it for food. Um, and Mm. I like being able to make all kinds of different stuff out of one deer you know i i make some nice big roasts and some jerky and burger meat and sausages and oh heck you're so you, you make sausages that's uh that's cool i've always wanted to fool around with the doing the casing yeah uh, i've made a lot of like ground sausage right like breakfast sausage right um but i have not done like links or i guess bratwurst or i mean i guess it depends on what you call sausage, right? Yeah. I'm, I mean, I kind of just do it. I I do follow some recipes. Um, I do like to mix the organ meat in too. Okay. Cause it's, 
healthy and I don't mind the taste. My wife doesn't mind it. Therefore go for it. Right. <laughs> yeah. So um, we're talking heart, uh, heart, liver. heart, liver, sometimes kidneys, um, kidneys. Like if I come across them as I'm dressing it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, heart and liver for sure. And, uh, and then, yeah, mix in some, some pork fat with it as well as whatever spices from a recipe or something. And, um, I only started doing it in the last couple of years, but it's something to do with all the ground meat. Cause you end up with a lot of ground venison for just from the scraps and stuff. Yeah. And I kind of don't know what to do with all of it. So making sausage out of a lot of it, like a major portion of it actually has worked out really well. Yeah, I'm I'm glad you talked about that. That's uh I I only like harvesting the deer, right? Shooting it and killing it. And, <laughs> um, I I only like processing it, right? I don't want to skin it. I, I really don't like gutting them. I, I do it, but um yeah, that's that's kind of where I enjoy it, right? You know, uh getting to play butcher right i get to get my own cuts right you know i'm making sure i get my steak you know it's not going to feed the uh the processing guy's family you mm-hmm. know it's not getting all just thrown in and then oh, you get whatever you get because that's uh whatever weight you know you had it weighed to so but yeah, yeah you got a good jerky recipe i made a lot my last year of college uh haven't fooled with any since then huh I mean, I usually look up a recipe. Um, I do like the Hank Shaw books. He's got Buck Buck Moose is the one that focuses on like venison and obviously moose, elk, stuff like that. Um, And he's got other ones like Duck Duck Goose and another one with rabbit, rabbit, quail, cottontail, all kinds of stuff. He's he's got a bunch of books with a bunch of great recipes in them Um, and a lot of just kind of sage advice as far as how to deal with the various animals and various conditions and climates and stuff. Um, so those, those books I would recommend for recipes. Um, okay. I, yeah, I got a smoker a couple of years ago. And so I've been enjoying using that for jerky where I can actually do a smoke, not just use the liquid smoke. I got you. Um, you have a, I'm assuming you use a dehydrator or do you use an oven? Well, if you're using a smoker, um, just low and slow, that does the dehydrating. Okay. Okay. I was going to say, I, uh, I got where I would put it in the oven and, you know, put it as low as I could and try to get a lot of that moisture removed. And then I'd put it in the dehydrator because that cut my time like in half. Right. So. Yeah. I tried using an oven one year and it kind of it overcooked it really. Um, and the first time I ever did it, or maybe the first couple times, I did use a dehydrator with liquid smoke, and it worked out pretty well. Um, it made good jerky, actually. But it's kind of more fun and authentic to use actual smoke. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure it's probably a good excuse to drink beer too. Oh yeah, of course. I mean, what isn't? You know, you do have a very good point. So what do you hunt with? Uh, is it all like centerfire or archery? I've pretty much got where I don't want to hunt with a rifle. Uh, never been a muzzleloader hunter, and I don't want to get into archery at the moment. So I have uh, just decided I'm going to handgun hunt from here on out. So that's what I started. Are you serious? 
handgun yep man that's why why on earth would you do that Uh, it's it's practical right i mean you know no it's not you get a longer range with a rifle uh well i don't i don't know where you're at um do you have a lot of long shots i don't take a lot of long shots okay i mean what's a long shot in your area it depends on kind of where you're where you're at because there are I'm in Pennsylvania, so there's, there's big open fields, but then there's also, you know, enclosed little gullies and, and clearing draws and all that stuff like that. And I prefer just like sitting in a stand in the woods. So mostly everything there is like 30 yards or less. So you could get by with a shotgun, right? Could. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. See, I, uh, I mean, yeah, I was going to say I've killed a lot of deer. I mean, uh, and we kill a lot of deer. Uh, like I, I wish I was joking when I say it's usually between 30 and 40 a year. Wow. Now we don't eat all of those, right? We've got, uh, one guy, he's got a gaggle of kids. I think he's got seven and pretty much that's what feeds, you know, his family through the winter, man. Uh, I need a friend like you. (laughs) Well, so, you know, more or less I can, I'm not going to say I can shoot, you know, 800, uh, but you know that I, in theory, if I was confident, I could probably shoot that far, but you know, I've, I got to the point where like, I wanted something that was practical, right? I could take the AK or the AR that was in my truck and take it out and go hunt with it. So I killed 31 deer uh, over the, over three years with a two, two, three, uh, huh. basically from 30 to 330 and it just wasn't fun anymore. So I was gotcha. like, you know what? I've wanted a handgun for years. You know, I found a decent deal on one. I'm like, you know what? What better time than now? I got the money and the time. And I just said, fuck it. So it to me, it's it's basically like, uh, you know, archery hunting, right? You know, I've got a kind of a self-imposed limit, right? I choose my shots. Right. Um, you know, more or less 50 and in. I mean, I did shoot one a little further than that but that's just because i was a bad judge of distance uh yeah gotcha perception can kind of be hard you know later in the seasons you know when when everything's starting to you know change color and i guess die yeah for sure but uh but yeah that's that's where it's at for me uh i've got a 10 millimeter well i've got two 10 millimeters but one is going away and uh you know to me it's I don't have to throw an, another gun on, right? I can just stick the 10 millimeter in my pants and, you know, I can go to the stop and rob or go to the store and do my deal. And then, you know, I don't have to do anything other than maybe grab a coat and throw on a <laughs> set of boots and, you know, go hunt. So. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm into archery. Um, I actually, I started using a crossbow, um, and it's really nice because it's something like unlike actual archery um where you have to practice a lot with a crossbow it's like you sight it in every year and you're kind of as long as you know kind of where your range points are and stuff you're good to go um and uh and it's quiet i like i like not having the blast of the rifle in my ear you need to get a silencer, right? I, I've hunted with a silencer the past <laughs> two years, and, and man, it's life changing. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's cool. It's a it's a quality of life thing for me. 
I I can imagine that would definitely be a nice thing to. I don't think I've ever shot anything with a silencer on hmm. it. Well, I think like when you do, you're gonna you're gonna be forking over that two hundred dollars for the ATF. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. See that that's the part that would stick in my craw so much. Like, how badly do I want this? <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I'm not a government fan at all, but you know, two hundred dollars for me to be able to not have ear protection or you know save what hearing I have left. Uh, you know, I, I hunt with plugs now, like, yeah, um, yeah. you know, that's, that's the thing is that discipline is a challenge. Cause when you're out in the woods, you want to take the plugs out so you can hear. And I know they make noise canceling stuff too now. So that's probably, yeah, I've got a, I've got a set of those. I just don't like, I don't like them and I don't want like the, you know, Bluetooth ones in ear. I've got some, you know, earphones, yeah. but I don't, they're I just Bluetooth. inconvenient to carry and wear yeah. and use. Yep. Yeah. So lately I've been, if I can get as much as I want during archery, then, then I won't even hunt rifle. I'll just, I'll just stick to archery. Are That's y'all on a tag goal. system? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we have sucks. doe tags for the different, um, wildlife management units and stuff yeah so i actually just bought my license today and applied for the first doe tag we're luckily this year we're able to do it all online that made it pretty quick and easy hmm. okay so you it used to be like in-person draw deal or um or sending like in the mail sending in the mail oh that's for the doe tags not for licenses but yeah for the tags i gotcha yeah luckily where i'm at it's uh three a day and then two bucks whoa for the season so holy cow we only oh, yeah. get one buck a season oh yeah yeah uh and you know archery i think starts maybe in early either late september or early october okay and that's then, around when ours starts yeah and then the season basically wraps up the end of january and then you've got it's either a a one or two week kind of landowner deal and then they finish off with the um you know the youth hunt so yeah gotcha so are you a public land guy i try not to i prefer private um yeah as long as i have friends who will let me hunt their places i'll do that instead then i can just set up my own stand and go there every time um not run into other people yeah there's a lot of clowns on the on public land i've i've hunted some well basically all the duck stuff in tennessee is public uh, unless you have bukus of money to get in a club or uh, go hunt with somebody. Uh, Yeah. I can only imagine how bad it is with rifles. Yeah. I, I went out during rifle season, probably first or second day, something like that, or maybe just a Saturday um, on some public land. And I, I hadn't like scouted it out ahead of time. I didn't go very far. And I got myself set up nice, you know, before dawn. And then and these other people come and set up like right in front of me where I was going to shoot. I'm like, well, that blows that up, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then even in archery, I went out um, around the one lake around here and just like right in the trail, there's a father and his son like sitting there waiting. And I'm just like... <laughs> in the trail like i have to cross in front of you in order to cross 
like in order to go where I was going to go, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, I have never been brave enough to even try to hunt on public land. Uh, deer hunting in, in our area on public land is, uh, it's not really worth your time. Right. Yeah. Um, so, so you don't do any dove or any duck or, or goose or nothing like that. Just whitetail. Yeah. Yeah. Just whitetail. Um, I may have taken care of a pest or two at my old place, but that's about it. I gotcha. Yeah. Well, y'all don't have, <laughs> do y'all have hogs up in that part of the world? No. Oh, no. Okay. Yeah. Where are you at? I am in Tennessee. Oh, okay. Tennessee. So. Gotcha. I was, uh, I was down at Nicole Sauce's place. Okay. If you know who that is. Uh, I do. I do. Uh, SRF is held about an hour from where I'm at. Okay. Yeah. Give or take. So. Cool. Nice. Yeah. Tennessee, like, and the whole drive, like between Pennsylvania and Tennessee through the smoky mountains and stuff. It's just, it's all beautiful. Yeah. I'm not an Appalachia guy. That's no. once, I, once I get, that's a little too far East for me. I'm more like a, like a flatland or, you know, Hills. Real Southern boy. Uh, well, yeah. If you looked at me, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you'd be like, "Yep, he's from the south." I I used to always joke when I would go on a job site. Oh yeah, where are you from? I'm from Tennessee. Yeah, yeah we knew. <laughs> but, huh? So, uh, so the the last thing I did want to hit on, and then I'll turn turn it over to you. And I mean, outside of maybe age, uh, full name, and social security number i mean it floors pretty open uh you mentioned home brewing right you you said you made some mead i did some uh wine making in college and that was really yeah. fun but uh i do enjoy drinking mead i actually finished off some on the forum the other night so oh uh, nice is that something you you're pretty active with doing or it is yeah um just the other day i started a double batch of mulberry and I made one. So two different carboys, both mulberry, but one of them has hops in it with ale yeast. And one of them has some minty lemony kind of herbs um, with champagne yeast and okay. champagne yeast is typically what I'll use in mead, especially for stronger stuff. But I've been, I've been into making some lighter stuff lately. These should come out around six, six and a half percent. Um, and yeah, I've been making it for a long time and it's something I really enjoy doing. It's, uh, it's kind of what I actually want to do for a living. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> now are you, are you making mead that's more like beer or, you know, more like wine? Uh, Cause I know you can kind of make it like both. I think that's what I like about it. It's how versatile it is. Right. Yeah. I make it typically more like beer. Um, like, like I mentioned, I have hops in this one batch and I always make it fizzy. Um, so, and, and I've been doing like more around the beer percentages. Like I, I made some lighter batches recently that were only four and a half percent. So they were very quaffable and much like beer, you know, yeah. um, except one of like, they, they don't necessarily taste like beer, but as far as drinkability and having the fizziness and stuff like that, um, they're like beer. If you use champagne yeast, it, it's kind of like champagne. And then it just depends on um, how strong you make it, you know, 
but I like I like experimenting with it. I like um, using different fruits and spices. I, I do a lot of stuff with ginger and apples. Um, right now, our apricot tree is dropping apricots by the gallon. So even though I just started some mulberry mead, um, I'm probably going to do some apricot real soon as well. Dang, I'm thirsty already. Right? So, yeah, me too. I'm like, why didn't I bring one up here? <laughs> you carbonate the uh, the more beer-like mead, or say that again? Can you carbonate it, or yeah, yeah? Like I said, I'm, I make it fizzy. That's okay. That's carbonation. Okay. I just that's what I figured is that is that like a tablet or something you drop in, or you can get sugar tablets. I just add a little extra honey um, right when I bottle it. So then that's, you're adding sugar. That's secondary not, fermentation kind of deal. Well, secondary fermentation is just more of like a clearing process um, for, for the whole batch. But this is right when you bottle, you let it sit there and then kind of settle out and finish fermenting in the secondary fermentation. But for, for priming, which is what, which is how you get it fizzy. You, you mix it in right when you bottle it, you mix in a little extra sugar and then it ferments in the bottles. I'm assuming you're using beer bottles or something with like a fixed cork, not like a regular wine bottle where it would, if it builds pressure, it'll pop out. Um, Yeah. As long as it can hold pressure, then you'll get fizz. Okay. Yeah, man, that, that sounds, sounds like something I need to get back into. It was a, it was a good hobby and uh, I did enjoy making some stronger wine. So yeah. What kind of stuff were you making? Uh, well, I was, uh, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I I should say making wine. Uh, I was very time limited, so I made some of the kits, right? I know that's cheating, Ah. Um, but it it was fun, right? I got to learn, uh, you know, kind of the basics. Uh, if I'd had more time, I probably would have got where I was using, you know, fruit and all that. But, uh, I did some like, uh, mainly just like real fruity stuff. Like, uh, I think I did some watermelon, uh, some sort of orange sangria style. It, man, it's been so long. Oh, wow. So you weren't just making grape wine. No, no. I think I did. I think I did four, four or five batches of it. Uh, and I've still got all the stuff, man. I was, I was digging. I've got fucking bottles everywhere. I got <laughs> a buddy who got real big into, into making wine. And he ran across somebody with like a trailer load of bottles. And he's like a dollar a case. I just want rid of them. And I'm like, sign me up. So dude, I've got (laughs) fucking bottles running out my ears. Yeah. Um, I'm a little bit in the same boat. I've got a lot of those flip top bottles and I basically stopped using them because beer bottles are just more reliable. Hmm. Okay. But the flip top bottles are nice and I don't just want to like toss them or anything either. You know, Hmm. um, but yeah, that's that's cool. Man, I've made kits. I've made beer kits and one wine kit. Um the the wine kit was something that my sister gave me. It was a chocolate orange port. Hmm. Okay. And hmm. so you would fortify it with extra sugar part like partway through the fermentation um to make it stronger. And so it was like pretty sweet and strong. I don't know how much of it really, like, I think 
the fermentation got stuck. This was many, many years ago that I did this, but <laughs> yeah, I had one that got stuck too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's hard to revive. Um, you can usually revive it as long as nothing's really, really wrong. But, uh, but all my readings and calculations were messed up by the time I got it. So I, I don't really know what percentage it came to or how, especially with adding sugar that makes it more complicated, you know, um, I don't yeah, know. It's how... also what hydrometer and specific gravity to kind of yep. get your ballpark numbers on alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. Like I've been doing it for long enough and that, and I now have a reliable enough system where I can pretty much just read the original gravity and know about what percentage it's going to come to. Um, if I was commercial, then I would have to be more scientific about it. But like I can get within a couple tenths of a percent by just reading the original gravity. And then if I don't observe that it like didn't ferment and it tastes fine and everything, then I know it's going to land right around 1.00, you know? Um, so like I, I can take the final reading to check and make sure, but generally speaking, like I'm not really going to change my calculation for the percentage on that, (laughs) you know? Now, uh, you, you make a lot of high octane stuff. I, I used to try to make it as strong as I could. Uh, just, I mean, you know, you know, when you're in college, man, you just, you want to, you want to kind of drink and get fucked up. Oh yeah. The college days. Yeah. I was trying to make it in that 16 to 18% range. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was, it was high octane. That's pushing it. Uh, So that's, that's one of the reasons I started using the champagne yeast. I've been using EC 1118 forever because it's just, uh, it's like a cheap dry yeast that's really popular and um, it goes up to 18%. So when I started out, um, I was closer to that college age. I had, I had just bought my first house, but like I still had friends in college and stuff. Um, and I just, I actually started doing it because I now had a mortgage and I was in, <laughs> I was into craft brews and I was like, well, now that I have a mortgage, I can't really afford good beer. Can I, <laughs> you know, so then it's like, well, I guess I should make my own. And one of my friends mentioned mead to me and it was a whole new thing to me, but he's, he told me, you know, it's a little simpler than beer and it's pretty easy to do, you know, and, and you can get some pretty strong stuff. And so between those factors, I was sold. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. I've spent a lot of, uh, Nights kind of having some fishbowl experiences drinking mead. I got a, I got a couple of (laughs) brothers on it and, uh, yeah, that was uh, that was definitely some interesting stuff because I went to school in the middle of nowhere, so it was like really limited on what you could get mead wise. So, uh, you know, every every now and again when I'd get away, I'd like find something that was actually good, and it's like, man, I think I'll just stick to to my cheap wine. <laughs> so, yeah, mead can be really really sweet and not in a good way. Um, yeah. Like syrup. Right. That's, that's yeah. a problem I did have with some of my wine is I would want to try to drink some of it, you know, after I bottled it and it was like 
you know, it was that syrupy kind of nasty. I guess it's almost like too too alcohol tasting, right? If I'd let it set three to six months, it was perfect. Okay, there you go. So maybe it continued fermenting throughout those three to six months. Um, yeah, I mean, wine especially definitely benefits from a little extra aging, right? Um, but if if your final product is still really sweet, that means not all the sugar is fermented. Um, and maybe that's on purpose. Maybe it's not. Uh, you know, depends on what you were going for, um, how much sugar you used or you know, sugar being your honey or your grapes or whatever it is, your fruit. Um, but yeah, I've gotten in, in more recent years, I'm more into the, the lower alcohol percentages that I can just easily break one open. Um, don't have to share it with someone, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh. So kind of like, can you make anything that's kind of like a, like a lawnmower beer, right? Something you just kind of can be outside and like sip on like. Yeah. Yeah. So I told you how I made a couple, like four and a half percent ones. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them I did with ale yeast and hops. And so it was just like a light hoppy beer, like, like an all day IPA kind of. Okay. You lost me when you said IPA, but everything else sounded well, good about it. <laughs> I'm more of a, a sour, a fruited beer. Uh, okay. What's the other one? Shandy. Um, or or maybe like a Pilsner. I do like some stouts, but, you know, I'm not just too big on drinking something like motor oil. So. Right. Yeah. Those, I, I think of those more as dessert beers and winter beers. And yeah. it's not typically what I'm in the mood for, even though I can really enjoy them at certain times. Yeah. Um, but actually a cool if if you want a little story um i made some lanternfly mead which you know all the spotted lanternflies that there's been a plague of mm, i'm gonna be honest i'll have to look that up Let's that's see. an east coast thing i guess um so it was this big thing they were killing trees because they would uh well people thought it was because they were boring into um the bark of the trees to lay their eggs, but seems like much of it might be because their poop is sugary and it prevents the roots of the trees from uptaking the proper nutrients. Okay. Um, but because their poop is sugary, the honeybees were harvesting their poop rather than nectar. And so the bees were making honey out of lanternfly poop. Now, this is all sort of what we hypothesize. Um, This beekeeper in my area sold me her honey really cheap because it was fermenting in the jars, which honey is not supposed to do. It's supposed to be stable. You know, we found good honey from 3000 years ago in the pyramids, right? Supposedly. Um, So, yeah, honey's supposed to be completely shelf stable, doesn't ferment unless you mix it with water. Um, but this stuff was fermenting. So something was different about it. It was like, it was not proper honey. Right. And she's like, she's the beekeeper. She knows she got it from whatever the bees made. (laughs) So she figured out that they were harvesting this lantern fly residue and, uh, and it still tasted like honey. It had like interesting characteristics, different characteristics, but not bad. You know, it's still sweet and everything. And so I went ahead and made meat out of it because I was like, well, if it's fermenting, then I can just keep that going. Right. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, probably probably took some of the uh, legwork out of it for you. Well, not exactly. Um, it was crystallized too, so it was a pain in the butt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But well, what was weird is I I didn't realize that my percentage was going to come out so much lower. I had to add more in, kind of after the fact, because I, I was shooting for like a four or five percent beer or mead, and what I ended up with was around two, two and a half percent because Mm. so much of it had already fermented and it was, it was a lighter gravity than what I expected. Yeah. That, that would be a good lawnmower beer. You could drink those all day and be functional. Yeah. It was, it was tasty. It was very refreshing. It was nice and crisp and fizzy. It, it turned out well. And a lot of my friends didn't try it because they were creeped out by that lantern fly story. (laughs) <laughs> yeah that that kind of almost reminds me of like a japanese beetle looking at it right but wait a japanese they, i don't know if you're looking at the right thing uh, i might well just invasive you know asian species oh oh yeah 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 you know ki- killing stuff and and whatnot it's died off a little bit like they're still around but they're not as bad as they were for mm-hmm. a couple of years there so it's one of those things like stink bugs and everything else yeah, y'all have a bunch of cicadas. Y'all have cicadas. Yeah, we program. have cicadas. Yep. Okay. We had we had some. Uh, is it seven or seventeen year cicadas? I think it's seven. Yeah, yeah, we had them last year. Okay. That was kind of cool seeing some different ones. Man, they uh, when when we had them the last time, they weren't near as bad as they were when I was a kid. I don't I don't know what it was, but they just were more annoying than anything. They it wasn't like swarms of them. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember ever being plagued by them. Yeah, well, they're. Uh, it's kind of like when you get out west and you start hitting some of those big bugs. It's like you know, hell, I just hit a cow. You know. <laughs> nice. But, well, you got anything for me? I'm. I'm kind of out of stuff to ask. Yeah, I'm. I'm thinking we could wrap it up if you're ready. Yeah, yeah, that'll work with me. Cool. This has been fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now I'm going to have to go get some mead next time I'm uh, in town. Yeah, for sure. Hey, uh, do your plugs for my show. Oh, uh, OG Dad Bod, OG Dad Bod 1, Whole Lot of Nothing podcast. Uh, I'm on Spotify and YouTube, and I'm trying to figure everything else out. So, I just uh, talk about whatever's on my mind. It's a lot of me just bitching about things or uh, talking to interesting people about uh, whatever we feel like at the moment. And I think that's pretty much exactly what we just did. And um, Bear Snare from my friends hate freedom podcast and the bear snare.com. 